Part 7. Famous. The state of Iowa produced a disproportionate number of A-list and influential people during America's industrial age. Among them, John Wayne, Donna Reed, George Washington Carver, Johnny Carson, Herbert Hoover, and Jerry Mathers as the Beaver. Most millennials looking at this list would probably give it a who, what? And that's understandable. Few Americans recognize Al Jolson, the world's greatest entertainer, whose peak fame would make Taylor Swift and Blake Shelton look like pikers. Superstar recognition lasts about a generation and a half. Celebrity status even less. If I were to mention Doris Day, Walter Cronkite, Billie Holiday, or Louis Prima to my daughter, she'd ask if they were friends from high school or college. If not for Christmas, Nat King Cole would be little known. And even the Beatles, the one-time definition of universal superstardom, are kind of recognized and usually regarded with a shrug of indifference by the young. Fads have even less staying power. Rocks have ceased to be domesticated and returned to their sedentary paths. Collectibles like Beanie Babies and baseball cards that people once treasured like the vases of Ming went the way of Enron stock. Greasers, sock hops, disco, and urban cowboys came and went just as surely as the flappers and Charlestons of the Roaring Twenties. Most boomers couldn't identify Norman Borlaug of Cresco, Iowa, a Nobel Prize winner who revolutionized agriculture and the feeding of the world, or the five Sullivan brothers of Waterloo who perished aboard the USS Juno in World War II and forever changed U.S. military policy. Even fewer people will recognize another, hardly famous, yet influential five-pack of brothers from about an hour north of the Sullivans. The Burnett boys, Jack, Bill, Pat, Tom, and Joe, are all included on the Veterans Memorial in a downtown Mason City Park, across the street from the Frank Lloyd Wright Hotel, and just a few miles from where Buddy Holly and the music died. The brothers made significant contributions in military service, education, and public policy. All Hollywood handsome, the boys were outdoorsmen who loved cigars and Manhattans, usually, but not always, in conservative moderation. They were Depression-era whalebone tough, a condition magnified by raising them from birth to military enlistment on top of each other in an 850-square-foot home not far from the Holy Family Parish that would become an integral part of their upbringing and life perspectives. These brothers and the family trees into which they married would leave a poignant stamp on human history's timeline. Jack, the oldest, was a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force who island-hopped the Pacific, flew on to Korea and Vietnam, then to an attaché position in New Zealand where he once hosted President Lyndon Johnson. In the Pacific, he was known by airplane mechanics to return from low-level attacks with foliage in his landing gear. Prior to combat, Jack left Great Lakes Air Base in Chicago on a training mission and decided to implement a different flight plan than the one suggested by the trainers. He flew the plane to Mason City to see his mother, Margaret. Bill, a one-time college football player, was the most rugged. He and his saintly wife Kay raised six boys of their own. 
In a kinder, gentler moment, Bill coined the phrase soft clothes to describe the comfortable attire one would slip into as the day unwinds. His son, Tim, fit the rugged brunette mold and recounted a story wherein he and some buddies had a few beers at a Wyoming rodeo and decided to queue up and pay five bucks to be amateur bull riders. Tim said they knew it wouldn't go well when, as they stood trapped in a cattle chute, the announcer boomed out to the crowd, Bring on the Christians! Pat was the brother most likely to become a priest and studied to do so. The calling didn't stick, but a gentle demeanor did. His son Chuck grabbed the leftover extroversion and is a prominent real estate agent on the Dakota side of Sioux City, where he hunts birds when he isn't spinning yarns on the way to a home sale. My wife Mary Beth's dad, Joe, was the youngest. And while none of the Burnett boys lacked street smarts, a childhood of shutting up and listening made him very savvy and an uncanny gambler. His finesse wasn't always appreciated in the military complex, and Joe claimed to be the only soldier in the Korean conflict who wasn't asked to re-enlist. His insights led to a top spot at Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing, 3M, where he lobbied legislatures across the country to transform transportation with reflective highway stripes and signs. Their efforts led to hundreds of thousands of saved lives throughout the nation and the world. The sole survivor of the boys in 2019 is 90-year-old Tom, another larger-than-life personality with a big voice that can fill a room with charm. He is a consummate storyteller who taught high school in classrooms where kids knew who was in charge. Tom is a favorite and life of the party at the Minnesota Veterans Home, a place where old soldiers go to never die. From these boys who became influential men and just up the road from the notable Iowans did emerge their ultimate legacy in a remarkable level of fame, one that simultaneously represents the best and the worst paths to household name status. On September 11, 2001, Thomas Burnett Jr. of Bloomington, Minnesota, son and nephew, joined a group of American heroes in the sky, then a field in Pennsylvania, to become the distinguished citizen soldiers of Flight 93. They were combatants in a seemingly endless struggle that brings worldviews together in the most destructive way. Ten years after the fateful day in September, I would hear the most awe-inspiring sound of my life, silence. The Burnett family, Tom Sr., Bev, Martha, Mary Margaret, their spouses and children, were invited to TCF Bank Stadium for a 9-11 remembrance during halftime at a Minnesota Gophers football game. The family invited cousin Mary Beth, along with me and our daughter Murphy. As the group of about a dozen faced the home crowded from midfield, the public address announcer reminded us all of how Tom Burnett, Todd Beamer, Mark Bingham, Jeremy Glick, Sandra Bradshaw, and others exhibited supreme courage that concluded with the ultimate sacrifice on behalf of their families and the principles of individual liberty. The thrill of a standing ovation from thousands must be exhilarating. On this day I witnessed, and the family experienced, something far more powerful. A photo of Tom Jr. filled the jumbo screen behind us 
and there was not a single sound to be heard in that stadium. The college kids stopped being fanatics. The cooks set down their tongs. The hawkers stopped hawking. There was no song in the band. The tribute had nothing to do with me, but because I was standing with them, I could physically feel the emotion that flowed tenderly down from the highest rows of the stadium as tens of thousands of people, in utter solemn silence, honored the sacrifices made by people I love, people who wish they'd never seen such distinction, never had such fame. From Iowa to Islamabad, interesting, influential, infamous, and inspirational personalities emerge in mere moments to dominate local, regional, and even worldwide stages. And yet, time belongs to no one. Whether by accident or desire, fame is always fleeting.